Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we're going to have a great show. I think we have a very interesting perspective on that word, love. Mm -hmm. And what I truly believe we'll get out of the show tonight is that love is not a one-way emotion. It's reciprocal. But at the same time, it is a one-way emotion because it has to be unconditional in order to be love. And you know what else, Brian? Now that our president is in the office, we're seeing love. It's nothing new. It's just now that it's out there. It's out there that uh, we can do the same thing. We can be a loving family. We can be a loving husband and a loving wife and and make it look uh, as powerful as it can be because now, Brian, the little kids out there that are watching, your president, they're saying, I want that. I, I, I want that kind of life, and I'm not going to settle for anything that's coming into my life. I'm, I'm, I, that's what I want. I want real love. And, Brian, we have two wonderful, wonderful people on tonight, and we're going to get into that. We're going to hear it from both sides. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the beautiful thing about it, Brian, we're all going to this. We're all trying to get to the same goal. We're all trying to get there. But I think men process things a little bit different than the way that a woman would. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited to have a, a man on with us tonight, Brian. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier with the president. It's funny because I was uh, I was over in Birmingham yesterday for my niece's graduation, and I took my grandmother with me. I drove up to Atlanta, Georgia, and then picked her up, and then we drove over to the graduation in Birmingham. And on the way back, we were talking about her, who she considers her fifth son, uh, President Obama. And she says, I love how he treats his wife. She said, that just makes, she said, I just get tickled pink when I see them together. Because she said, when you look at the other presidents, the other presidents may have loved their wives, but he is in love with his wife. And he shows it. You know, and I just thought that was just kind of funny how you brought him up, and it made me think about that. But tonight we have two people who I am sure are in love as well, and they're going to be our special guests tonight. And, Greg, I'm going to go ahead and introduce them. We have with us tonight special guests Mr. Calvin Holland and Miss Linda Grovenor. And we'd like to welcome you to the Abundant Solutions Hour tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here, guys. Thank you. And thank you, Greg and Brian. Thank you so much, Calvin, and Linda. Thank you so much for coming in. And, Linda, you know, I want to start with you. Uh, I, 
I was just talking about the president. I'm sure you heard. Now, the, I mean, your thing is you, you, you talk about love and loving better. Uh, do you ever use that as an example of, of how the black family can be? I mean, do you ever use that in any of your sessions and or, or any of your blogs? Do you ever talk about that? I think we have discussed it um, a bit right after, you know, he won the election and moved into the White House. Um, for me, it was it's wonderful to see that, but it seems that the world is shocked that, you know, a black couple can love like that. Yeah. Um, we We do, and it shouldn't come as a shock because so many families, show love, display love, treat their wives well, treat their husbands well. So, I mean, I think it's a great example to see, but it shouldn't come as a surprise. Right, right. You know, but in that, I was going to say, in that, I know from my background, we never really had that show of emotion, of affection and stuff like that. When You know, in the men in my family, they sort of were like very reserved. You never really seen them show that because you know just and this is just for from where i come from it was a show of weakness to show emotion and to be all huggy and cuddly and lovey-dovey and like i'm like that i'm huggy i'm i'm touchy-feely and so i like that type of stuff but you know a lot of the men in my family didn't really show that so it was kind of awkward okay to see it as a child right you know i understand what you're saying yeah and i think that that's what happens to a lot of us, especially in the black community. We know grandpa's always being the, the kind of tough one, and you know, or daddy, he don't play. He's sort of, you know, he's got to be the stern one, and you never really sh- see him show that much affection, and it sort of trickles down into the kids and to the other families and so forth. You know, and do you think that's a, do you think that's part of the reason why we don't see a lot of affection going on? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that I saw a lot of it generally in my family, but I, I, I saw it in other families, and I knew people who were like that. But, yeah, I, I can see where men can, some men, rather, tend to be rather reserved when it comes to feelings, emotions, you know, you know, the things men, other, men kid other men about, you know, oh, she has you like this, she has you like that, because, you know, you're happy to be coming home or you show the affection. Um, I don't think it's all, which is a good thing. But, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, too, where mm-hmm. people feel that they have to be so reserved to portray a certain image, so to speak. All right. So, Calvin, did you experience that when as a youth? I didn't see it at all. I have to agree with you guys. Um, we didn't really see it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the keys that made it so, uh, I guess, hard when you um, get into it and experience it. But I want to go back to when you were talking about Barack and his beautiful wife. Um, to me, it was one of the most beautiful displays of love. It wasn't for the cameras. It wasn't for acting. It was real. And that, to me, said it all in their dancing and the way they looked at each other. To me, the eyes are the windows of the soul and the way they looked at each other, and you can see love. You see two people who love each other so much that she's there with him every day in the trenches, helping him to be the best president he can be. 
And to me, we don't even have to look back at our past now. We need to take advantage of the things that we've experienced and use them as learning tools to grow us into being the men that God ordained us to be and loving our wives the way we love God. Mm. Powerful. Mm. Well, Kevin, do you think um, when we were, you know, as children back in the day, the, the fathers were more of protectors. They wanted to protect. And a lot of times that's the way that their love was displayed through just protection. And, and what I'm trying to say is a, a lot of fathers uh, will make sure that everything is done around the home and they'll make sure that that child is safe and he'll walk through the house when everybody's asleep and make sure all the doors are locked just to check on everybody. And I think that that's some of the things that a lot of people don't see or they don't understand. And and because we were protectors and brought up to be protectors, a lot of us really don't know how to display that love that you're talking about. So what now that we have the president doing that and showing it, it's out in front of everybody, how can we get other men to realize, okay, my way, I may need to change it a little bit. I, I'm a protector, but I need to express and show my love a little bit more. How can we do that? I think through your uh, medium right here and having this radio project program, mm-hmm. I believe through Linda's book. I believe when I put a movie, I believe it was Firepool. And if you guys are familiar with that movie, the man was going through a divorce, and his, he called his father, and his father was able to counsel him and tell him about this book that helped him save his marriage. We as men, we can't come to our friends our brothers, and talk about relationships. We talk about sports. We talk about everything under the sun. But how many times can we go to our best friends? You guys, Greg and Brian, can y'all go to each other and say, man, you know, such and such happened with my wife last night. How would you help? How would you get through that and stuff? We don't go to each other for advice. We won't even pick up a book to benefit our relationships. I'm not saying all men. Because I'm not putting us all in one category. But we need to change the way we see things. I have to give credit to the men who made sure that there was a roof over their head, the, the family's head, food on the table, protected. We still do that, and that's our key role. But it changes. It's evolved. And one of the key things is showing that affection, being part of the upbringing of the children. We have to be open to change what our president is talking about, change. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's important what you said, you know, not all men fall in that category. But what we've seen is there is an increasing number of negative, you know, connotations being put on our men. And so we sort of we sort of toe the line, the ones that are out there towing the line, we sort of get beat down even though we – we are the exception and not the rule in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the media. We have yep. to understand. Think about the people who don't have any interaction with black people. The only way they see us is the way media portrays us. Mm-hmm. Until you have an interaction with the people, you don't know them. So that's why they're so surprised when they see Barack Obama. They don't see us, even though they see us commuting to work every day, going to take care of business, not out there beating nobody over the head and grabbing a pocketbook, we can't even be acknowledged that, man, this guy got it going on. He's out here taking care of his family. 
the, right. the media will not show that. There have been some movies that portray that, thank God. But the majority of it is taken from rap videos and other ridiculous movies that shouldn't have never even made it onto the screen. Yeah. We as black men, you know, I think our actions speak so much for ourselves. I'm not going to carry no big banner and say, I do this and I do that. I'm going to let my actions speak for myself. Right. Mm. And and you know what, Linda? Uh, you, you know, her husband made a, a valid point about the way the media portrays us. Now, in the media, if you look at a lot of the movies, the black woman is an angry black woman. Everything she's doing, she's either loud, <laughs> cursing, or fighting, or she's either having sex. It, it, it's or all of the above. Yes. And and the little girls are seeing this, and they're seeing the videos, and they're thinking, "Wow, you know, if this is going to get me the attention that I want." I might as well do this. And my question is, what kind of foundation should the little girls be raised on in the home? Wow. Well, that's that's what our website is trying to do, because anything that the children are exposed to, that's where they're picking up their cues from. So, in essence, you have to teach the mother. You have to allow them to relearn ways of being and how to show love and how to receive love. Um, it's, it's just like the child that misbehaves in school. Any kind of attention, negative or positive, is still attention, and that's how some of these women feel, and that's why they act out, and that's why, you know, they damage cars, stalk people, throw things, get loud. They just have to be taught. I believe that if people could learn how to love better, that they would, and that's what we endeavor to do through the book and through the website, thepluralthing.com. And people who have visited the site have said that it's made a difference. People who have read the book said it's made a difference. And in writing the book, my initial thought was if I can change just the life of a few people, it's all well worth it, well worth writing the book, losing the file, allowing the file to get corrupted and having to rewrite it over and over again. It's well worth it. You know, you said something that a lot of women, well, I won't say a lot of women, I would say some women would definitely take exception to, and it was just one word. You said talk. <laughs> you know, because I, I've been places where when a man says that word, women need to be taught, they immediately get upset, they're mad, they're offended, mm-hmm. you know, and but they have no problem saying a man needs to be taught. Exactly. You know, I was at a, uh, we were actually at a Women and Girls Day event um, last weekend, and, uh, there was a gentleman there, and I, the, the statement that he made was out of character. But what he was trying to say, and, and and I understood what he was saying, but it was the way that he said it. He was saying that a lot of women try to outshine their mates, and what they need to do is diminish their light so their men can shine. And I was like, whoa, brother, you're in trouble now, you know, because you're in a room full of women telling to step down, 
right. instead of step up. And, you know, the thing that I, but what the point that he was trying to make was that, you know, the black, and he was basically, we were talking to a room of African-American women, so he was basically trying to say that the black man had been beat down so much that he didn't get a chance to shine. And so, you know, stop trying to outshine him and let his light come out a little bit, you know, and, but the way he said it was just wrong. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, my okay. God, bro. You should have said this a different way. But what he was saying is that women have not been taught to, you know, in, in the black community. Women have taught to be strong black women. They've been taught to be the, the backbone of the family because the man's not there. But what about when the man is there? Should they step back and let the man take lead? Or should they still try to be the backbone, you know, well, not, well, instead, you know, be the backbone, but not try to step out in the front and say, hey, I'm the backbone. Well, the man is supposed to be the head of the household. Calvin's the head of our household. And I think that people take exception with that because they think that to mean, you know, that it's a dictatorship, and it's not. I mean, as long as you have a man that you believe and uh, you trust and you know that he is on the right course, on the right path, and he is following God, you should have no qualms about following him. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the two of you should be able to coexist together, complement each other when you're in a social situation. It shouldn't be about, you know, me having to not be who I am so, you know, he can be in the forefront or him not being who he is so I can be in the forefront. We should be able to complement each other as a couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think once people realize that when you become one and you stay together and you're on the same track, you're just that much more powerful as a force um, that God has created instead yeah. of fighting against it. And, and that leads right into my next question, and that is why do you guys think marriages end so quickly these days? I mean, it's you, you go to a wedding, in the next couple of years, you, next thing you see the this person or whatever, and you, well, how's the family? Oh, we got a divorce. I mean, that's happening so, so much now. What mm-hmm. What's yeah. the problem? Calvin, what's the problem? There's no God in the relationship. There you, go. you have to be equally young. So many women are desperate to have that husband, that they're settling for less. If you are call yourself a Christian woman and you're there in church every Sunday and singing in the choir or whatever you're doing, and you picking some brother, whether he's from the streets or whatever, and he's staying home just watching football while you're in church, that's being unequally yoked. The family that prays together stays together. Linda Book is about spiritually preparing yourself for your soulmate. And through that, you're not only spiritually preparing yourself for your soulmate, you're spiritually preparing yourself to be available for the man or woman that God is going to bless you with. Our life is a learning experience. We're on a potter's wheel being molded by every experience we experience in life, and we have to understand that. Mm. I like that. That's, 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 yeah. that's powerful. And, and another thing, well, you know, let me ask you this. When you see families falling apart, and I know you guys see it, and 
you try to warn that brother, you try to warn that sister and, and tell them, okay, I've gone through that. I know how hard it is. And they don't really want to listen. And, and and a lot of times they'll say, well, I knew that wasn't my husband when we got married. I knew that wasn't my wife when, when, when she walked down the aisle. I knew it. But mm-hmm. I did it out of convenience. Mm-hmm. Is, is that mm-hmm. something that you guys hear a lot of? Well, the thing is, is that it's interesting because just this past week a question was posed on the website, do you have to love a man to marry him? Wow. And I think that's that's the thing. So many people are marrying people that they don't love, and Calvin has shared some powerful points on the post, and part of it was that, you know, God is love. And if you're mm-hmm. taking a man as your husband or a woman as your wife, you need to be absolutely sure that this is God's doing. People like to take the scripture, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, but you have to make sure God is the one that joins you two together and you just didn't decide to join yourself. Thank you. You know, because then you can't just just slap God on that and say, oh, this is going to last forever because the evidence is proving that, that it doesn't. And love is what makes you hang in there and not be so quick and easy to throw the towel in. So if you hear people saying, oh, well, I knew that wasn't my husband, I knew that wasn't my wife, then what was it about? The gift? I mean, you know, the wedding dress, the flowers? I don't don't know. I don't know. I couldn't see purposely knowing that someone isn't mine and going through the pomp and circumstances for family, friends, or whoever else. I mean, because divorce is, you know, a really, really destructive thing. Some people don't recover from it. Children are affected by it. So we have to be careful what we're doing. It can't be out of convenience. It really can't. Well, you know, Linda, a lot of times uh, when, when when all of the girlfriends are married and, 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 and she's out and she doesn't have a husband and everybody's asking her, well, when are you going to get married? And, and the family is putting pressure on her and asking her, hey, all of your friends are married, what are you going to do? And she really starts thinking about that thing, and, 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 and she, you know, your clock is ticking, and you don't know how much longer you need to go ahead and do something. Yeah. And with all of these different people speaking into her life, she a lot of times she'll act on that, and she'll do it. She'll just give in and just marry this guy, knowing that uh, they don't have the same beliefs in, in, in churches. He may go to one church and... and, and there, it's just totally different, you know. The churches right. may be totally different, and like like your husband was saying, the yokes are just so uneven, and that they animal don't... rescue. There are too yeah. many animals out there that need to be rescued. Get a cat, get a dog, <laughs> get something to pass the time. Because the bottom line is that marriage marriage is work. I mean, it's delightful work if you know you're with the person that you're supposed to be with. But you don't want to make it unnecessary work if you're with someone you know you have no business with. Mm. Mm. I mean, there there are much better things out there that you could be doing to entertain yourself than to put yourself smack into the middle of a marriage that you know you shouldn't be in or in the middle of. You know what, and it goes both ways. There's a lot of men out there that's married, and they knew that that wasn't their wife but they walk around the aisle anyway, and they're still out there doing the same things, going to the clubs. Boy, hanging, ain't that the truth. Hanging with the guys that aren't married, 
and chasing every woman on every corner and and, and still going back home uh, to, I'll say, his his companion or, or friend, not his wife, but a friend. And, those are those and, married bachelors, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and they don't and they don't see anything wrong with it. They really, they really don't see anything wrong with it. So, Kevin, what in the world can we, what, what should we do, or how can we try to reach these brothers? We have to understand that God is the key. We can't do nothing without God. When y'all guys mentioned um, a little while back about man being the head of the family, the reason why women don't understand about having a man being the head is because you think of him being the boss after you might have raised your children by yourself and want to give this power over to some man. But you got to understand that power that you give over to a man is that man is also in submission to God, understanding that all things happen through God. We have to submit ourselves, first of all, to God. He's our father. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us and teach us how to love better. Mm. We, we we can't get... I, what else was you saying? I'm sorry, I almost I got off track here. No, you're on track. You're on track. You know, I, I think the most endearing part of what you said is the fact that you said people don't understand that that that, that man has to be in submission to God. Without a doubt. We you know, can't and, do nothing on our own. And see a lot of a lot of times that sometimes may mean that, you know, what God wants us to do may not always be what we think is right or what our spouse may think is right, but okay. it, we have to follow that, you know, yeah. and we have to honor him even before before anybody else. Yeah, right. that's that spiritual preparation. Our marriage is a trinity, and God is at the head, and we're on the corner. Mm. That's what empowers us. And you mentioned something else. Um the reason why those men are going out there is because they have loveless marriages. Just listening to that word. I used it in the post that Linda just mentioned about marrying a man that you don't love. Loveless marriages makes you go out there looking for something that you wish you had at home. In Dominique and my interview and stuff, I talk about the first kiss that I had from Dominique. And it was, to me, no other kiss that I experienced before I kissed my wife mattered. It was like there there are no words to, to speak on it. When you're in love with somebody, especially a godly love, nothing else from your past can compare. So I don't care if Holly Barry came up to me and tried to seduce me. She ain't got nothing on my wife. Mm-hmm. That's right. Love Ooh, is Jesus. the most powerful force in the universe. God's love, and nothing comes in between my wife besides God. And you know what? The the, the definition of love is God. Yeah. And without a doubt. Yes, it that's, is. That's God is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's amazing to me that people... Yeah, exactly, and it's amazing to me that, you know, people mention love. Oh, I love him, I love her, and they're just in and out of love, but then you look and their lives don't reflect God. There's no God anywhere in the picture. The way they're having relationships um, with people that they say that they love doesn't reflect God, godly principles, or anything found in his word. So, I mean, it's like they're using the word and just 
kind of pasting the label on the front of it because they want to make it look pretty. But, you know, the bottom line is that God is love, like you said, and when you love people, it reflects what the Word says. Wow, you you actually answered the question I was about to ask. Oh, okay. That's when I read the paper through the phone. Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. I was going to, the other question I was going to ask is, why do you think, and I actually know the answer to this one, but why do you think so many people believe they know what love is and they're way off base? Hmm. Soap operas, television. I mean, yeah. I remember being a little girl and it was like, you know, you make the little dolls kiss and you know, got the little butterflies in your stomach when you got your first boyfriend and Valentine's Day card in first grade, and you just automatically assume that that's what it is. You know, you dream about your wedding dress and what it's going to look like long before you've even met someone that even qualifies and long before you're probably even old enough to legally marry. So, I mean, you know, a lot of what the media has pumped into us, you know, gives us this superficial... um, belief or picture of what love is and love is so much more than that you know when you look at first corinthians 13 it talks about all the things that love is and Mm -hmm. but it's not and we have to make sure if we're saying we love people that we are able to find ourselves and our behavior and not the behaviors that are negative in us if, if we say we love someone you know, you hit it right on the button. I was just going to talk about how in the Bible, love is actually defined quite a few places. Yes. You know, and so it would be almost crazy for somebody to say they know they don't know what love is, but they want to get married. Yes. You see, and I think that's really what the problem is. The, defi- the definition of love in Worldly love and fleshly love is what people equate to godly love or that agape love, that unconditional love that, you know, that God has for us and that what he had given us as an example to have for each other. Right. You know, and so in saying that, what is it like to be in love with someone who you know is in love with you. <laughs> I like Calvin take that. <laughs> <laughs> I look, like too. look, you know what's so funny? You've already answered it. <laughs> okay, I did. <laughs> yeah. You know that commercial, Hey Kool Aid, when he busts Uh-oh. through the wall and he got that smile on his face. Uh, we're going way back now to Kool-Aid. Okay. Yeah, that's me. I got that hey Kool-Aid smell because I'm walking down the street, and I believe it's in our walk. It's in our actions. When people see us walking together hand in hand in the park, and they just smile at us, almost a smile of approval and seeing that kind of Barack and Michelle Obama love, displaying it and wanting people and, uh, and other people having that hunger and wanting it, the 330 people that's here on the plural thing site, taking the time out to understand exactly that the way to get it is through God. We can't do nothing on our own. This didn't come because Dominique and I saw each other and seen something we liked. God put something in us. 
when you get tired of listening to other people and trying to do it your own way and submit and humble yourself before God, God will bless you like you've never been blessed before. And the proof is in the pudding in my wife. Well, I'm thankful for that, and I feel the same way. And I think um, in knowing that you love someone who loves you back and shares those same sentiments about love and what it is and loves you according to the word is, for me, when we got together and I felt what I felt for Calvin and still feel for him, it made me wonder, you know, all the times, you know, that I thought I was in love or really liked someone or, you know, allowed someone to hurt my feelings or think my heart was broken, it made me wonder what in the world I had with those people because it was nothing like I'm experiencing now or what I was experiencing when we met, you know. So it was just eye-opening, like, you know, opening a gift, opening a present. And, you know, I'm thankful to God for him, for the support he gives me. And just every day of our lives, we are determined to not become a statistic. Yes, yes, that's important because they say, what, over half of the marriages fail within the first five years? Yes. I was like, wow, you know. Every time I hear that statistic, I keep saying, was God in it? <laughs> Couldn't have been. Yes, Couldn't have been. yes. Couldn't have been. Couldn't you know, but people, and you know, and the thing that I notice is that, you know, they'll get married at the big church. They have a 1,000 people at the wedding, 500 at the reception. They pay $25,000, and they go on vacation in Aruba. And, yes. you know, and three, four months down the line, they're at each other's throats because they can't finance they can't pay their regular bills, you know. It's almost like we start doing this thing, and everybody wants to be the Prince Charming, and everybody wants to be the Princess Bride, right. and they never think about the future or even the present at the time. They always have this sort of selfish thing about, you know, about the wedding, but they never yeah. plan for after the wedding and after the honeymoon and all that, you know, and that that's what I... That's what I believe is one of the big causes of divorce because they're so focused on having the ring and having the big wedding and having all this show that they haven't focused on how to show each other love. Exactly. Powerful. That is powerful. Well, you know what, Calvin? Yes, sir. So many men out there, and women may not believe this, but men... They ask the question, but they only ask it to guys that they really know and the guys that they really can trust. Mm-hmm. They want to know, okay, this woman, I'm thinking about marrying her. And the way that we see our future wife and the way that we want to provide for them, I, I, I really don't believe that women really understand that. I, mm-hmm. Because most men want to give his wife everything. Wow. He want to give them the world, but the woman will say, well, that's not important to me. Mm-hmm. But that's what he wants to do for you. And he'll ask his friends, you know, he'll do, he'll, he'll, he'll just, I mean, he'll beat around the bush. They'll, they'll do that. And, and, and they'll ask, you know what, do you think this is the woman for me? Do you think this? And then the women, they really 
really asked a question to their girlfriend, do you think this is the one for me? And, and Calvin, tell me if I'm wrong. If they had a relationship with God, if they mm-hmm. were going to church together and Bible studying and counseling with the preachers, wouldn't they already know if this was the one for them? I don't know. I think, you know, instead of asking friends and family sometimes, that we need to ask God. Right, right. Because my wife tells me all the time that God is supply, and he supplied her to me. And I think God wants that relationship with us like he had with Adam and Eve before they sinned, when his voice was walking with them in the garden. He loved them so much that he supplied for their every need. I think God wants us to have that relationship with him. So he's our father. If you have a question, we can come to our father and ask him for anything. We're not getting the right advice from people all the time. I think God, I believe God wants to be first and foremost in our lives. And we who call ourselves Christians should recognize that. There's a big difference between Linda's book, because I believe it's spiritually preparing ourselves through a Christian experience. And not to knock Brother Steve Harvey in his book, but who would you rather listen to? Somebody who's telling you from a spiritual perspective or a comedian? Come on. He's coming from one man's perspective when, if you read Linda's book, you're seeing that God instilled certain facts in Linda to share with us and bless us with. Mm. And then he had her use her own personal experiences to emphasize it. We need to look and find out, as my mother, who a reverend is, says, who has our ear? Mm. We got to be careful about who we allow to speak things into our lives. And that's why that relationship with God is of the utmost importance. Oh. Wow, that's true. That's 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 so true. And you I'm not what? knocking Steve Harvey. I, just, you, you know what? You know what? It, it's not that you're knocking him. It's just mm-hmm. it's the truth. It, I'm trying to make a point. To me, right. I'm so passionate about Linda's book. We've been out here trying to do things on our own. We as men, we figure that we got to take care of our family. I got to do this. I got to do this. You can't do nothing Thank unless you. God is the head in your life. God makes a way for us every day. I survived both instances at the World Trade Center. I didn't do it. He brought me through that. Uh When you understand that God is the head and through him all things are possible, the rest is easy. Wow. What's the name of her book? I know the name of her book. I don't know. Oh, man, let me disconnect you guys. I said, I know what it is, but I want you to tell them. Well, I'm going to uh, tell it to you. The name of the book is The Plural Thing. There you go. Spiritually Preparing. Spiritually Preparing. Spiritually Preparing for Your Soulmate. Understand the point about spiritually preparing. That's the key. Nobody else is coming and, and breaking it down like that. Spiritually preparing yourself to be available, to be the man that the woman is looking for because you spiritually prepared yourself in a relationship through God. And that woman 
that God blesses you with spiritually prepared herself so that y'all have the relationship that God ordained it to be from the beginning of time. Mm. Wow. And he doesn't need me. <laughs> yes, he can do it all by himself. I need you. You're my baby. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's my baby. You know, and again, we talk about how, and we talked about this earlier, how, you know, we didn't see a lot of affection coming out of the black homes when we were younger. You know, do you believe now that there are more examples, but they're just not being broadcast as much as you see the single parent, you know, with, you know, a bunch of kids that are snotty nose running around? You think that's been the thing that's being more projected than the the, the two-parent African-American family where both parents are in the home, working hard, raising their children the right way? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, because that's what the media chooses to show and how they wish for us to be portrayed. Um, You know, in researching for the book and just listening to God and receiving what he's imparted to me for the writing of the book and, you know, the follow-up book that I'm working on, um, women need affection. Uh, I stumbled across an article today that was saying just that. One of the six ways to simplify your marriage is to show your wife affection. So to have a marriage that lasts and is thriving, and by thriving I mean you don't want people to be together just because one of them can't afford to leave, you know, which is the case sometimes. People end up staying together because one or the other can't afford to leave, but you want people together because they desire to be there. There's that love. There's that nurture they feel. There's that safe place, and that's what you need for marriage to be, and that's definitely what our children need to be seeing. Absolutely. And Linda has relatives that were married for over 40 years. We was at their funeral um, last weekend, and there was a couple her uncle and her aunt, her uncle passed away, and they have been married 40 years. So they're out there. Oh, yes. They have to strive to be, be that, and that's what we strive to do by sharing here with you guys. We're learning. Dominique and I are, are staying on a potter's wheel because every time we try to assist people through our blessings and what God gives us, it grows our relationship. It makes us stronger. We mentor, and it also mentors our relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I can say from the book. Um, you know, in writing the book, you know, it taught me as well. So, I mean, I'm just constantly learning. Everything I share with people is teaching me first before the book is even out there. So I'm thankful for that. Do you guys do workshops and seminars and that type of thing? We actually do um, a weekend retreat, and, you know, we just get together with people who have read the book and want to further that experience. So we do. And um, this year, I'm not sure about this year, we did one last year. It was in a campground setting, and, you know, it was for the weekend. 
and it was just really nice. It turned out to be, which surprised me, like an all-man retreat, whereas we thought more of the single women would come out. But, you know, that was good, too, because for me it's always interesting to hear things from a man's perspective because, like Calvin said earlier, a a lot of times men don't talk about relationships. They don't talk about feelings. They don't talk about you know, being hurt in relationships, those are things that they don't want to share because they don't want to appear vulnerable. So it's just good to hear what people thought about relationships, specifically from the male perspective. You know, it's interesting. You talked about, um, and and Calvin talked about your family, where the man and the wife were there being married for more than 40 years. It made me actually remember, sorry, Grandma and Grandpa, that my grandparents... (laughs) Um, on both my father and my mother's side, were married for a long time, and actually my grandmother and grandfather were married for more than were almost sixty years now. God bless them. You know, and I had like I said, I had an opportunity to hang out with them this weekend. I mean, um, on yesterday, and I just had a ball with them. <laughs> but uh, okay. yeah, you know, there are examples out there. It's just that, in my opinion, I think uh, you guys were spot on earlier when you talked about the media and the media's influence on the family. I mean, you'll see them highlight a story about an unmarried couple, you know, that are going to have a child versus a married couple who are in a healthy married relationship going to have a child. You know, and they'll glorify that. Oh, yeah, such and such is going to have a baby from... Guess who, rocker such and such, and you know, or actor, actress such and such is gonna have a baby from, you guessed it, such and such, and they glorify that, you know, and then they actually prop up examples, and I'm gonna use this this person, and you know, people may say I'm wrong because she's a child, but I'm just gonna say it straight up. You got um, Sarah Palin's daughter who's now saying children should not have sex, but you know, bad example. Because you've exactly. already done it, you know. Exactly. And, you know, in my opinion, I think it's too early for her to come out and try to talk about that, you know, especially when she's no longer with the boy who she said she was going to marry, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think her motives are wrong for doing what she's doing anyway. She's not doing it because she's caring. She's doing it because her mother thinks she has a chance at the election. That's mm-hmm. all it is. She's yeah. playing the political game. They're playing yeah. the game right now. Well, and they're also playing, you know, they're trying to clean up the mess that's caused because the boy has now come out and talked about all kinds of other stuff that, you know, so she's trying to play, you know, political catch-up with, you know, with, I guess, I mean, that's my opinion of what I think is going on. But, again, you know, that's not what little girls need to see. They don't need to look at her and say, well, I want to be like, uh, I forgot her name, but uh, Bristol. I want to be like Bristol Palin because she said, that we should wait before we have sex. But she didn't wait. And what more often happens is that they they go by what the example has done versus by what the example has said. Exactly. You know, so, you know, personally, I don't want examples of people who, well, I, I do because I want people that have gone through the fire, mm-hmm. you know, but don't don't run through the fire and as soon as you get out of the fire say, Hey, guess what it's a fire and guess what? I can see the fire. But you know, I want somebody that's got a little bit of tattered clothes one and once they've cooled off and they their wounds have healed, they can tell me how it feels 
from a larger perspective versus saying, okay, I just ran through that fire. It was hot. <laughs> you know, but and, and cause to me personally, I don't think you have a healthy respect for the fire as soon as you get burned. It's not until later on when it starts to swell up and, and that initial shock of, you know, that initial adrenaline from running through that fire wears off and you start to feel that pain. You know? I've learned my best experiences through going through the fire. I think that sometimes I, I can't not that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we go through things to build character. Yes. And I think that we have to take a time out when we go in through certain things and reevaluate it and look and see what am I supposed to learn from this. You know, we don't take time out. We just be in the blame game and this and that and stuff. Or, you know, Look, everything that we go through in life is a learning experience. So I'm not going to hold anybody's past against them because we're not perfect. The only right. one who was perfect was Jesus. No matter how much we strive to be perfection, to be perfect, we can't do it. God gave us Ten Commandments. You show me one person who's following the Ten Commandments right now. Mm-hmm. And he only gave us ten to follow. So I think sometimes we have to learn from the things that we go through. I'll never knock nobody from for anything that they've been through. We're not perfect. We're striving too. We have things in our past that are mm-hmm. spoken on, on our website. But I'm going to learn and make myself better through everything that I experience in life. Because to me, the only one that really matters is Jesus on Judgment Day when he looks in that book and tells me there's a place for me in his kingdom. That's who I strive for, his approval. Mm. Well said, well said. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's mm-hmm. Well, Linda? Yes? That's, that's what the women are looking for. Exactly, that's exactly. Well, that's why we put the, the website together, and, you know, we're praying that more people will come out and partake of all of the information that we have there all the things that people are sharing. And, I mean, people are digging down really deep, sharing some personal things there on the website. And um, we just invite people to log on, sign up. It's free. Become a member and let God prepare you for your soulmate. Mm-hmm. Well, i tell you what, this has, been, this has been awesome to have both the husband and wife team come on together and talk about love and how important it is uh, for us to really love and, and, and learn to listen to to what God is saying and not us go out uh, and, and and battle with time because God is not going to battle with anybody. When he no, he's not. His, yeah, when he, when he speaks his word, it's quick and it's, mo- it's moving fast, so and it's going to happen. So we just need to really um, have that relationship with him yeah. so that we can have who we desire to have and he'll give us who we you know were created to be with and I really I really do believe that if we if we be patient and that's something that a lot of us don't have it's the patience to yeah. wait and um and I just want to ask this that how can someone be patient uh, when they've been hurt or molested or raped or beaten in a relationship and they want to they want their Adam or they want their Eve uh, but they 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 pretty much given up and, and saying that oh, this is just not going to happen. And basically, what they're saying is they don't have enough patience and they don't have faith in God that He'll give them who they want. So, if someone is in that valley right now, what would you say to them? I'll let the man yeah. handle that. 
Okay. Well, I'll go back to Dominique's book. The key, again, is spiritually preparing yourself. Because in that time that you're spiritually preparing yourself, you're building a relationship with God. And through God, he can heal us of everything. See, a lot of people want right now. We want everything right now. People want to send up a prayer like you rubbing on a genie lamp and asking God to grant you three wishes. And if he don't grant you the three wishes right now, well, you want to toss the lamp back in the seat because it don't work. But it ain't about us. It's about God and God's timing. And in that timing, we have to take the time out to prepare ourselves spiritually because God is a jealous God. There is no one that comes before him. He -hmm. wants to know, do you want that Adam and Eve more than you want a relationship with him? If you want that relationship with somebody else more so than you want a relationship with him, keep on rubbing because you ain't going to get it. Mm -hmm. God wants to be first and foremost in our lives. When you put your father first and give him the honor that's due to him, he will bless your life in so many ways you will not be able to comprehend. That is absolutely true. I, I can, I can, I tell you, I don't. I'm not a bed man, but if I was, I'd bet all the tea in China. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm a, right. I'm a living testimony. Yes, sir. We yes, both sir. are. Yes, sir. But again, uh, Dominique, would you please go ahead and give out your information as far as your books, how people can buy your books, how they can get in contact with you for some type of help or if they want you to come in, you and your husband to come in and host a seminar or a workshop or some type of speaking engagement, how can they get in contact with you? Sure, sure, sure. They can log on to our website, um, thepluralthing.com, and that is a spinoff of the actual book. The book is The Plural Thing, Spiritually Preparing for Your Soulmate. And you can get that from any bookstore. You can request it, have them order it for you. You can go on Amazon. You can log on to thepluralthing.com and order an autographed copy there. I will sign it, send it to you. And um, in in terms of contacting us for um, interview, features, seminars, you can contact my management, Tia Jakes. Um, her email is Tia at 2TWO squared SQ. U A R E D L L C dot com. Real quick, Linda, I, I was talking with a young lady today about you, and she's she has this club. It's, it's Millionaires Before Thirty or Millionaire Mommies Before Thirty or something like that, and it's awesome what she's doing. And I'm definitely gonna pass your information on to her. Uh, matter of fact, she's listening tonight. Awesome. She's got so many women from all over the world listening in on her shows, and she'll have this this conference that she'll call and she'll do, and a lot of people join it join in, and I I just think it would be wonderful uh, if you two uh, would would be on her show. It, it's it's an awesome thing, and I'll just make sure that you guys are informed, and and I'll just make sure you guys get in contact with each other. Definitely, that would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 open to helping anyone that wants to learn how to love better and walk them through the process. Good. Good. Yeah, you know it's funny. I've been chatting back and forth with some friends on Facebook, and 
I have a friend here, I won't say who it is, but, you know, he he came in and said, hey, how you doing? And I'm telling him, yeah, I'm in the process of doing my show here. And he says, okay, great. Well, you know, I want to listen to it. And so I'm telling him what we're doing, what we're talking about. He says, that's what's up for sure. And he says, I can't speak like this anywhere else. <laughs> and I said, why not? You know, and I think that's that's really why this show is so important because you can talk about love. You can say that love is what's up, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think the fact that so many of us and so many men are sort of embarrassed or ashamed to say, I love my wife, mm. you know, or I love you, you know. And even some women now have come to the point where they're ashamed to show any type of affection in public. They don't want to hug. They don't want to kiss. They don't want anything because that shows, even for women, a sign of weakness or a sign of inferiority. You know, I'm not a piece of meat. Don't be kissing all over me, grabbing all over me, holding on all over me. Where it's not, you know, where some of them may take it in that light. Most men, when they love you, they don't treat you like a piece of meat. Exactly. They treat you like a godly woman. They that they envision you are. Amen. Yeah. I can relate. I can relate. Now I have the Kool-Aid smile now, so, yeah. Yeah, I can can definitely relate. I never felt like that from the beginning to now, and, you know, I don't foresee feeling that way in the future either. I just think that it's a process, though, Um, you know, Men and women both have been hurt, and I just think we need to learn how to love better, and that entails allowing people to love us as well as learning how to love people authentically. You know, you said it. You said authentically, and that comes to my next, you know, sort of question. We have about two minutes left in the show, but I want to try to get this out real quick. You know, how do you know when the love is authentic? How do you know when the when the love is real versus somebody maybe putting this game on or this ploy on to try to win you over for things? I'll just say. Well, I just think that you know part of the process of preparing for your soulmate is getting in touch with yourself, getting closer to God, and when you do that, He will allow you to be able to discern a counterfeit. And I've grown fond of Twitter, and I've been on there all week tweeting a specific message, I was saying that an apple tree doesn't have cherries popping out all over it. So you'll know what you have by the fruit that it bears. If someone Mm -hmm. says they love you, they are going to treat you like they love you. You won't have to guess about it. You won't have to wonder. That is true. That is very true. (laughs) That's my take. And with that being said... You've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you both for joining us, Mr. Calvin Holland and Mr. Thank Linda you. Dominique Grovener. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us, guys. Yes, and I'll say that please join us again as we have another exciting show scheduled for Monday on the Abundant Solutions Hour where we help others be more, do more, and have more. We thank you again for joining us, and we ask you that you join us again and also listen to the blogs, I mean, listen to the uh, shows online, pass them along to your friends, email them, 
burn them CDs, DVDs, send them out. <laughs> and we thank you for joining us, and we ask that you join us again. Good evening. God bless you all, and good night.